0: A lot of pressure, a lot of, talk, yeah, the our, the the a lot of Is, Pod is that the first of
1: Pod before? BN. <music> Three, two, one, here we go. From the Play Normal Esports studio, this is Pod BN talking to people doing big things in Bloomington Normal. This is Tyson. This is Jeremy. And uh, Justin is still recovering from winning the Micro Business Excellence Award at the Chamber of Commerce Gala yesterday, uh, as of this recording. So um, now that he's hit it the big time, hopefully he'll come back and uh, come host the podcast again sometime. I still haven't heard from him. Uh, but Justin, appreciate you. Come on back whenever you're uh, done basking in your glory. I'm going to set the bar low,
0: so it'll look really good when it comes back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for filling in, Jeremy. Um, Talking to another normal council candidate today, Kathleen Lorenz. We're going to hear about a year in review and uh, what happened in 2019, how the budget's looking, and uh, see where else the conversation takes us. But before we welcome her to the show, I want to give uh, recognition to our sponsor, Play Normal Esports. We record every episode here in the Play Normal Esports studio. It meets our needs very well. And they're very generous to us, very helpful to us while we're here. Uh, Something to keep in mind, there's specials going on almost every day here for different kinds of groups and people. Something they do on Tuesdays is called Team Up Tuesdays. So if you have two or more friends, then you get a discount when you come in. So one of the great things about playing normal eSports is you can come in and you can play video games with your friends in person sitting next to each other. Not everything has to be virtual, even for the, the new always-on generation. So uh, bring some friends in and you get a discount. You get three hours for only $10 each. It's a great deal. And with that, I will say hello to Kathleen. Hi.
2: Hello, hello. Yeah. Yes, I was a candidate for normal council uh, a year ago and uh, was successful in the uh, 2019 election. So, returned a year later as a council member. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well,
1: I appreciate you coming on when we were just getting started off there, mm-hmm. and uh, also offering to spend your time coming on and talking to us now. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, you can if you you can keep up by watching the the council meetings or trying to follow the news, but mm-hmm. in my opinion, having a conversation and sitting down with people and chatting about what the realities are is always the best. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, so thanks mm-hmm. for coming in here and sure. doing this. Sure.
2: So. Yeah, it was on my mind, um, you know, I guess you, as you start a new year, you think back to where you were a year ago, and I was in the throes of, of the uh, municipal election campaign, and um, I remember coming on here, and I thought to myself, you know, might be good to check in with you, see how you're doing, and uh, maybe I could give your listeners a kind of a recap of what, what we did in 2019.
1: Yeah, it sounds great. All right. So 2019 was a... was a, was
2: a busy year. Pretty
1: busy year. Yeah, so, I got a couple
2: um, of items here that I've noted. Um, you know, right off the top, uh, we did three strategic sessions with our council, and in my... Um, first term. I don't think we ever did that many strategic sessions in one year. So um, you know, I'm not complaining by any means. I think it certainly was a very um, useful endeavor to do a couple more than usual. Usually we would do one, maybe two, so this was three. And we did a citizen summit, and that was a first ever in a long, long time. So I think um, particularly those citizen summits uh, or those strategic sessions really helped to bring together our new council, And we needed to to take some time to do that.
1: So what what happens in a strategic session? Is that like a a moderator leads that?
2: We do. We have Um, a a facilitator who has worked with the town for a number of years. Um, His name's been in some of the coverage about the Citizen Summit, Lyle Sumek. And um, this is what he does. He consults with various municipalities and um, and their, their councils. And he's very, very good as a facilitator. Okay. And, uh, you know, given that he has the history with our town, that really helps in terms of, um, you know, each year he can come back and work with us and not have to go through a steep learning curve. And
1: so is that like you're, you're in a room
2: for a day, like a workshop yeah. and different... Mm-hmm.
1: Um, is it all like the seven of you always together yep. chatting or yeah. is it like different subgroups no we stay the... together
2: and you were in there for um, you know, sometimes a, a day and a half we'll, we'll have Lyle stay over mm-hmm. and uh, you know we might start um, afternoon of one day and uh, take a break over overnight and get back out at it eight o'clock the next morning until three o'clock or four o'clock whenever he flies out okay. so it's pretty intensive and um, you know it's a, it's a deep dive into what are our priorities what are our needs where do we you know need to um, turn our attention more or less so um, it's definitely something that the town has had a practice of doing every year but like I said I think with the new council this year we took some time to do a few more to help with some of um, our forming as a group as well as then the the strategic planning
1: so anything that comes to mind that was um Partic- like especially notable that came out of those conversations, um, like a different prioritization than we had previously, or something. You like know,
2: that. every every year that I've been a part of this, you know. No one strategic session is alike, you know, and and we always do take into consideration what the current scenario of the environment is. And so um, I think they were very similar to that and and always have a unique outcome. Um, I think that the one thing that does stand out in one of them, at least, um, where we took some time as a council to really kind of work through some... Oh, group dynamics insofar as the, you know, a group goes through forming, norming, storming, you know, those Mm -hmm. different phases. And so we did some of that, and um, I think we're better off for it. Cool. So in addition to that, um, we've got several other items here. You know, going back to about a year ago, the Trailside East project came into being, was Mm -hmm. approved. Um, That's gotten a little bit of... maybe extension insofar as we had to work through some issues related to the mural, but that is still on track for um, a uh, spring construction to start. So that's in the works. And what
1: was the, where's the mural standing right now? Is that completely resolved, or is there still something else? You know, there was an
2: article um, just this past week that a judge basically has dismissed the case because it's, it's kind of moot right now, since the town has agreed to move the wall and not, in essence, destroy the artwork. So it is going
1: to be moved. Okay. And
2: because the artists had collectively, some of them at least, had collectively raised um, the issue in the case that I, to destroy it would violate a federal statute, I believe, called VARA. Oh. And it's um, V-A-R-A. stands for something along the lines of visual artists' rights act, maybe. And in essence, they artists do have um, the right to have a say-so over their, in this case public art, and what happens to it. And so because we will not um, destroy it, but rather move it, we are not in violation of that particular act.
0: But but just as clarification, didn't the judge also say that they could bring the suit back if there was damage to exactly. it on the movement? Exactly, but, yeah. But assuming there's no damage, all's good, then, right. then that's behind. Right, so. right,
2: right. Mm-hmm. And really, that's not totally been what's holding up the project from commencing. Um, really, the developer was getting more of his, their financing together. So Mm -hmm. it all has kind of worked out.
1: Okay. But it looks like springs when that's all going to go Mm -hmm. down. this year,
2: Right. So that'll be another piece of the puzzle for the development of Uptown around the circle. Mm -hmm. Um, Also going back to about a year ago, we uh, made plans for an east side fire station um, that had some consternation and and understandably so from some of the most um, directly impacted neighbors right around that property. Property on Hershey and um, Shepard. But, um, you know, in the long run, I think certainly the community is going to be better off having an east side fire station because as much development has happened over the last 10 to 15 years with Eastview Church, with Normal Community High School, with the Meadows at Mercy Creek nursing home, we were really running very close to not meeting industry standard over there. So mm-hmm. everybody is going to be better off and safer for having an East Side fire station there.
0: Now, there's been there's been a little bit of controversy around that, not mm-hmm. only location and, and some of the mm-hmm. local residents, but I've also heard people say, and uh, D- doesn't Bloomington also, they've said they would like to do something over there. Or, or, right. Or, or there's talk about uh, what I always hear is, why can't they combine? Why, why combine? can't they get together? Yeah.
2: Right. And actually, those conversations happened. Um, this plan that you're now seeing roll out for us to be, for normal, to be reconfiguring the placement of its fire stations um, dates back probably mid two thousands, maybe oh four, and um, you know progressed through conversations. I think most recently around maybe twenty fourteen, that um, you know we knew that we were going to have to be looking for for land, and there was conversations happening with you know previous city managers on both sides, and there was not interest, um, as I understand it for um, on the part of Bloomington for that to happen. So um, you know it's it's a, it's a sticky wicket insofar as they are two separate fire departments with two separate unions. And so you do need to be, um, you know, acknowledge the um, structures that they have in place. Now, having said that, they work together all the time. And so really the community at large will be better off for having another east side fire station because just like Bloomington can back up normal, normal normal can now back up Bloomington, and they've got a lot of east side property. Yeah. So I think the larger community, whether we are cohabitating the, the – Particular firehouse together or not will still benefit. And, and when does that
0: due do to be online and up and running?
2: You know, we have just purchased the land in 2019, and so 2020, I think, will begin. Start. Uh, we'll begin with some of the design work, and um, and I will advocate for the concerns of the neighbors there to make sure that they're part of the process of, you know, what does the design look like, and you know, if there's any nuances that can be worked that help them feel better about the aesthetics or, or whatnot. Um, I think we need to be mindful of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good to hear uh, that they're that they work together like that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that a firefighter you know it's more of a it's a job and a calling, right? Yeah. You know, so it it's is. not like is yeah. gonna sit there twiddling their thumbs right while, while, while something not burns able to get to yeah. a, a fire or a you know a medical emergency. <laughs> right, right. There. Yeah, and the the construction in that area of town also makes it more challenging for uh, emergency vehicles to get into the the cul-de-sac construction, too, so having more support there is Mm -hmm. is beneficial. Mm -hmm. Good to hear.
2: Yeah, so we've got that in the works. Um, You know, before we came on the air, we were talking just a bit about public comment. We did make a pretty sizable change in our public comment policy. We went from what used to be a two-hour notice um, where somebody would have to report that they would want to be a commenter by 5 p.m. for a 7 p.m. meeting. Now it's only 15 minutes, and I think that was definitely a step in the right direction. Um, And uh, I think some key staffing changes, maybe these all haven't gotten you know, a lot of press, but about a year ago, we brought on our assistant city manager, Eric Hansen. And so that backfilled from Pam Reese's role that she vacated as a result of her uh, taking on the city manager role. We have Vasu Gadaraja. I don't, I'm not going to do that name right. Vasu. Vasu. (laughs) Yeah. Um, from, um, she had been at the Regional Planning Commission, and now she is over our IT. And I think what she's really going to bring to that department is a level of awareness on what we need to do to become smart and smarter cities. So we're real excited to have her on board. And then, um, you know, this one did get some press, the communications person. I am an advocate for that. Um, I've I've gone back and forth in my mind because, you know, I do think that, you know, do we really need that? But in this day and age um, where I think information is so key, news cycles are short, people want to know, I think we need to respond to that need. And um, no, it's not going to be a spin master, but I think it's going to be a person who is trained in communication, who understands the difference between... um, You know, looking at something for its good intent, but then also looking at it for its impact on the community. And I think as a town, council and staff alike, we sometimes get so focused on what we're doing and we and we feel good about the intent that we don't take time like a trained professional communicator would to think about, okay, how does this how does this need to be explained and shared appropriately, timely? with people who want to know. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, that's not being a spin master. It's really just thinking about things that perhaps the, you and I don't think about as trained communicators. Yeah. So there's this concept of intent versus impact, and we're good on intent. Our intent is really good to have a, a Eastside side fire station where we fall down is thinking about and anticipating what's the impact of that really good decision, mm-hmm. and those are the kind of communication messages that need to be thought about in advance so that we don't um, trip on them basically. And I think we have had some unfortunate examples, and I think that fire station might be one of them where we did trip on ourselves. Yeah. So uh,
1: I noticed recently that there's a new, or, I mean, new to me, town of normal podcast. Is that, uh, you know, have you heard do, of this? Is yes. that run by mm-hmm. the city? It, I mean, sorry, the town? The
2: town. Mm-hmm. It is an attempt on our part to, to do better mm-hmm. at communications. And I, you know, it's it's a, a decent effort. And I think there's been some good topics there. Yeah. But um, we need to do more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, which is, you know, to be honest, which is why I'm leveraging your um, opportunity here, yeah, because cool. we do need to do better. And um, and I think that the residents, the, the community deserve that how, how do you think uh, which which means of communication do you find
0: is the most effective in getting that interaction with citizens is it i mean in, in the past you yeah. know it was obviously we were relying on the traditional media tv right. newspapers right. that and now it's much more social media facebook yeah. face, uh, face facebook right. podcasts etc right um it, it, do, where do you see the most where you put something out and then you get calls and interaction
2: um you know, probably social media. I'll be honest, um, but in any you know anymore, even even your traditional outlets are posting on social media. So um, I, I think we need to just be very intentional about trying to hit all channels of communication, and let's not forget about the face-to-face dialogue either. As a council person, I hold that one really near and dear to my heart, and and really try to um, avoid any kind of back and forth, uh, certainly on social media, Mm -hmm. but even in via text, even via email, you know, after a while, I don't really understand, uh, the, the tone that's coming across, nor may they understand mine. So I am really, um, kind of vigilant about let's have a cup of coffee or at least let's talk over the phone.
1: Yeah. Do you, uh, Do you read the comment sections?
2: (laughs) You know (laughs) articles that are about you. (laughs) um, Yeah, I do. Okay, and I I do that because um, it's important for me to get my news from all different sources. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, now kind of shifting it to how do I get my information? Mm -hmm. I try to get it from all different sources, and especially sources that I know are not going to be kind to me, Mm -hmm. because I need to know what my sharpest critic is saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. um, I guess it's a little different. I've heard a lot of public figures recently, but not politicians or mm-hmm. not elected Public servants. Not public yeah. <laughs> servants. More like celebrities <laughs> oh, saying okay. that they've mm-hmm. decided to just not read Twitter or social media about themselves anymore. But I guess it's different if you're making art, right? I mean, if you write a book and you put it out, the book's right, out there. And so right. if everyone's going to trash you... I mean, you know, just to get one-ups on Twitter, then right, that's right. just damaging to your self-esteem. It's not really helping you that much. If well, you got some people you want to seek out for it. But as an elected official public servant, it's probably best to, you know, to take every opportunity, right? Right, right.
2: For feedback right. and interaction. Right. You know...
0: Or, go it, it, ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say that, um, it, you know, I'm human. I'll be honest. Some of it hurts, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, it doesn't. You you try not to let it get under your skin. You try not to let it, you know, take it personally. Um, but I'm a human being.
0: Without well, the part of my question on the effectiveness, kind of mm-hmm. goes to that. Like you might get something on Facebook and get fifty comments, but a lot of times, you know, it's people ten foot tall typing that mm-hmm. are just. Is that really effective? I don't know. Maybe it might give you some insight. It, mm-hmm. it could be good, um, but I, I wondered how you balance that with like a phone call. You know, if uh, WGLT runs an article or JBC does mm-hmm. something, is do you get a lot of quality feedback from that? I'm guessing the people that take the time to call in that. Is, is probably they're either really passionate right, or they really want to dig deep on something. Right, right. And, and I would think that's very effective, but you yeah. want to have both.
2: Right. I think the thing that f- probably frustrates me the most um, is when I see things that start to go out there on social media or blogs or comments or what have you where the the, the amount of truth and fact becomes very thin Mm -hmm. and you know i'm a i'm a person that's very factually driven very data driven and so that does kind of get to me after a while um but you know i'm not alone
1: (laughs) i have a running joke with jamie matthew of uh, city of bloomington um I don't know if he thinks it's as funny as I do, but whenever he posts something, I always post a comment: "Fix the streets." So even if it's even if it's like we just approved the street resurfacing budget, like fix the streets.
2: See, a little humor is good too. Yeah. So is, uh, yeah, I'll I'll welcome humor anytime. You
1: can summarize seventy-five percent of the comments on, on on Facebook by just saying that. But, right. Yeah. One time he uh, he replied back and said, "I am fixing the streets." And I said, "No, I mean like you personally. I want to see you out there with Love, the vest on <laughs> fixing the streets." This that's is what funny. I expected my
2: <laughs> Representatives. So, yeah well a couple other things here just real quickly yep. to to buzz through mm-hmm. um uh obviously in the fall we were awarded a very sizable grant for the underpass. We can talk maybe more about that in a little bit. Um, but uh, you know that was 13, I think maybe almost 14 million dollars for that endeavor. And um, speaking of streets, I was very I am very excited to see that the West College Avenue, which really is probably a multi-million dollar fix in terms of getting that road and, and the infrastructure of that road in, in usable shape we have begun at least the phase one engineering part of that. So it's oh. got to start somewhere. And so I think it's maybe five or $600,000 to at least start the engineering portion, and we're able to do that. And where does that run, that improvement? Um, I know that it basically runs all the way out to what is now Rivian. Mm-hmm. And okay. um, and so that's, you know, we know that it's been in degrading shape. Um, and now, especially with Rivian ramping up and coming on board um, in terms of their production. You know, the, the need to have that fixed and in, in good use um, is is imperative. Not to mention all the residents that live over in that mm-hmm. side of town, too. And I heard them loudly and very clearly last year during the um, campaign going door to door. And I couldn't disagree with them. The, you know, mm-hmm. the road is, is uh, needing some... Some significant help. <laughs> and it goes from
0: Rivian to, like, the, you know, uh, the cemetery there?
2: Yeah, yeah. Right there. You know, definitely, like, right around Parkside yep. is where you really start to see it. And West is where it starts yep. to really degrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you know, so all of that. Those are seven items I covered there, and we seated a new council. So you know, when you kind of stop and take a look um, about all that we did in 2019, um, it's it's pretty impressive. You know, and, and there's so many more things. Like I was thinking, well, there's Parks and Rec, and they did a they got a grant to do some improvements to Maxwell Park, and the Children's Discovery Museum Foundation has really um, turned itself around under the leadership of. Um, Beth Wisman and you know so I could go on and on but those are some of the highlights that I yeah. think were worth uh, repeating can I ask
1: a couple questions on some of those mm-hmm. too um, yeah that we can get to so the public comment one um, I agree that that was an improvement in what you did mm-hmm. um, the the policy still remains about having the public comment have to pertain to something that's on the right. agenda right and um, I'm on the Bloomington Planning Commission. As I mm-hmm. went through the training, mm-hmm. it seemed to indicate to me that pretty clearly on there that public comment could be about anything. And right. so I'm curious about why, what the town still sees as being the, the benefit and the need for that rule and why they're they're comfortable with the having it. The yeah. restriction. Right. Do you, do you feel like you have, like, what's your perspective on that? My
2: perspective is that it has um, withstood a review by, I guess that's the Attorney General's mm-hmm. office. They have yeah. not told us that it is... Um, I- incorrect. Um, Did they say it was correct? Th- you know, the the way... <laughs> I didn't see the communication directly, and I don't mean to be wordsmithing things, but they would definitely let you know if you were in violation. And so okay. th- we have not been told that. Um, you know, to your point, that's where I was going to go. Could it be better? We could have that conversation, sure. Why has it been crafted the way it's been crafted um, to be pertinent to the agenda? I think really out of... Um, A desire to to do the business of government as efficiently as as possible. Because here's here's my concern, Um, and there's there would be a way, I suppose, around this. But if if somebody, if lots of somebody's came and spoke about things that were not pertinent to the agenda, as you know, would be their right to do that. If, the, if it was written that way. Um, what about the person that really has something to talk about that is relevant to the agenda? And I think even in Bloomington, they kept their total yeah. comment period at 30, 30 minutes, yep. and we mm-hmm. do the same. And, I mean, that seems reasonable that you've you know, you put a start and a stop on, on the, the time period for that. I would really hate to see somebody who's, you know, ninth or tenth in line with something that's pertinent to the agenda not get a chance to speak. And as a council person, I can tell you that when people are speaking about the items on the agenda, I am taking copious notes. I flip my, my packet over and I am writing down, you know, who they are and, you know, who they're representing, if they're you know, representing an organization, what is their issue, and and I'm, I think I can speak for the others on the council, we will go back to those things, those those points made, and say, you know, the one commenter that said such and such. So it it definitely helps the um, discussion of the item. So I don't want to lose that. Um, so we'd have to just look at a way to, to make sure we don't lose the input that's needed for the business that night.
0: So, go ahead. Well, I was, so I was going to ask. So, I mean, some would argue that just because, say, something like a Connect Transit or mm-hmm. or whatever other hot issue mm-hmm. that it might not be on the agenda that night, but it's something pertinent to it, or take it to a much smaller. Right. Um, Is snow plowing's happening, and, and right. our streets not getting, and you know, they, where they want to voice a concern to government. That, right. That that is pertinent business. And that's the reason um, it, It's to, not getting up and reading Dr. Seuss or doing the chat and, from uh, from Los Angeles, the well, video going on. Right. Out.
2: So but, maybe you, you know, we may be just uh, you know, kind of brainstorming here a bit, but maybe you look at um, it's got to be something pertinent to town, you know. And so there, there would be ways that... Um, I suppose we could we could look at that. Um, you know, I was glad to see the the one change, moving the two hours to fifteen minutes. You know, I'm an engineer at heart from my education way back when, so you know, I like to kind of see incremental change. And you know, we've lived with this for almost a year. I think it was spring of 19 that we made that change. So, you know, maybe it's time for for the next version um, to be configured somehow
0: i i'm like tyson you know when i read that training i, I look at it and go ah, it seems pretty clear mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. i'm not a lawyer i get mm-hmm. it um but and i applaud the change I, mm-hmm. I do um i would hate for this to end up in some sort of lawsuit or somebody challenge it and then we're spending taxpayer money we're i we have to oh, go goodness. through and defend, yeah. i mean yeah you know don't don't want to get to that point right um,
2: it's never our intent to be um you know, not complying with, with the law. So, um, you know, which is why I started out by saying we have not been told, and I'm sure that we would have been told by now that there is a problem, mm-hmm. you know. so And it
1: could be uh, that, I guess it just occurred to me, the Open Meetings Act training could also be mistaken. I mean, that's also another possibility. Yeah. Whatever I saw mm-hmm. in there that seemed to clearly indicate this, either I could have misinterpreted mm-hmm. it or it, it could be, un- it, they, maybe um, maybe that wasn't the exact letter of the law
0: or maybe right. it was like a best practice instead yeah. of a requirement or but, something. Right. But it sounds like you'd be open to some sort of change. Or I would be. I of, mean, that, yeah. and
2: and I think, you know, um, as as the idea for changing the time requirement of notice was talked about, I mean, the mayor was very open mm-hmm. to that. So um, I just think it's it's... Maybe something that we take up in 2020, and you know, after we feel like we've lived with the current set of changes for a while, yeah, that's
0: has been to working be right. out. Be on your list a year from now. <laughs> Absolutely,
2: right, right, yeah. yeah. I uh,
1: there's there's a variety of reasons why I wouldn't why I have a let me put it positively. There's a variety of reasons why I have a lot of respect for people who want to serve in an mm-hmm. elected office because it's things that I would find very. Um, unpleasant. One of which would be, as we mentioned, having your name dragged through the mud, or having mm-hmm. um, things said about you personally, yeah. or about your family, or something. Yeah. That would be that would be really hard. Um, and I also think, in particular, in Bloomington, sitting there every two weeks for half an hour, while well, uh, sometimes people say some very direct, mm-hmm. negative, mm-hmm. accusatory things, and, right and, and I'd have a hard time being like, I spend 40 hours a week doing this essentially volunteer position. Right. And if I, if you want to talk to me, you can talk to me. Like coming up here for three minutes in public and calling me names and hurling accusations at me, like, ugh, I, know. I don't know. I'd have I had a hard know. time knowing how to respond to that. I know. Like, and then, you know, if you show any, like, if you show that you're upset, then it's like, oh, you know, he was mad or something. And so it's a weird part of our um, political process, I guess, that that's an expectation. And I an don't think official. that
2: that's necessarily <laughs> always been there, at least not in this community. That's one thing um, that I actually feel like has been a change in just my short tenure. Time. Yeah. I made a note that, you know, what, were, what are some of the biggest changes? Yeah. And yeah, we can talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's there's definitely a sentiment of anger and a more intensity in the comments um, and the messages that I'm hearing from residents that um, I, I don't know what to make of. You know, I, I think it's bigger than just normal. I think it's our, our country from what I see on the television. Local, you state, know? and federal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it gives me a little bit of pause and a little concern about our democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: there's a couple situations I can think of where people I know who are on councils have felt, like a little bit personally unsafe mm-hmm. for taking certain votes. Um, have you ever felt?
2: I like have for the first time in this, um, in, this
1: in this current term. term? Yeah,
2: I mm-hmm. never felt that until um, twenty
1: nineteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, would you be willing to share what the the vote was?
2: It wasn't a vote. It's it's just some unsolicited comments that um, oh, okay. a particular person of the community sends my way and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know yeah.
1: yeah, and it I um I mean, on the one hand, you try to see like, okay, this person's clearly agitated about something and try to see through it, mm-hmm. Jim Karch, the director of Public Works in Bloomington, told me he when someone shoots an arrow at him, he tries to grab the arrow before it hits him. And then look at it to kind of see what the message attached to the arrow is.
2: Right. That's a good idea. But, yeah. it,
1: but you know, we're all human beings, too. Absolutely. And you shouldn't have to yeah. be having
2: arrows shot at you right. <laughs> in order to try, right. to, order to, try right. to benefit things. So, yeah. Um, and for the first time ever, too, I have felt badly um, that, you know, I took on my husband's last name um, 32 years ago. And um, for the first time, I have felt badly that I am dragging... His name and the last name of my children hmm. into some um, less than flattering comments. Yeah, and so um, it's too late now. I've been married for thirty-two years. I'm not going to go back to my maiden name. But Changing um, the
0: signs would be expensive. Yeah, it
2: would. Right, <laughs> right. But you know it, that I, that never crossed my mind before. Huh. Well,
1: that's too bad. I, I really hope that um, hope it's just a blip and it comes back. I
2: do too. Yeah,
1: it's hard enough to do, to dedicate your time. And energy mm-hmm. in this way, and then to further have that be a disincentive, where you're opening yourself up to abuse in that manner, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. really doesn't seem. Uh, especially for, again, I mean, technically you get paid, right? But essentially, it's yeah, essentially it's yeah. a volunteer it's, position. It's volunteer. Um, you know, if it's a full-time federal. Uh, you know, politician mm-hmm. like that's all they do one hundred percent of the time, and, and they expect okay. that a little bit. You know, to yeah, some and they got people to handle that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, they'll have right. security and bodyguards, right. and things like right. that, to keep them yeah. safe. And so, and we're
2: just a tiny um, little town in Midwest, you know, Central Illinois. Yeah, and, and I don't want you know listeners to think that for a minute I'm. I'm being a victim or well, you know, it feeling yeah. yeah I mean I'm just being honest with you that you know mm-hmm. yeah the, these are some real emotions but I also realized that you know I chose to run I I always think of that um, analogy of you know being in the arena so I chose to be in the arena I mm-hmm. can certainly choose to leave the arena right yeah. you know so yeah. um, uh, you know you have to take the good with the bad But but I for the sake of discussion, I, I have noticed a difference. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing
1: mm-hmm. that. It's, it's one of the reasons I'm motivated to do this podcast is because, w- with very few exceptions, no matter how much I, d- I may dislike a person based on their public persona, whenever mm-hmm. I sit down and talk to them, I,
2: I almost always
1: see the humanity and the, Absolutely. the commonality that underlies right, that. Right, right. And I just hope it can do a little bit to try to, build up that connections and model how mm-hmm. you can have
2: civil discourse right. on topics. Right. And I mean, that's so. actually, um, well, you're segueing right into some of my notes. <laughs> yeah, go for you it. know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to, you know, really holding firm to in 2020, um, is, is to, um, and actually I give credit to, um, Representative Liz Cheney from, she from Wyoming, Utah, right? Wyoming. Yeah. I yeah. uh, heard her speak not too terribly long ago. And um, she said, among other things, at this one event I heard her, that um, we need to work hard to listen where we can agree. And if all we're doing is trading comments on a blog or on social media, we're not really listening. We're really just getting getting across the point that we want to, Say, And so I don't think there's really much that that replaces the in-person or at least over the telephone conversation where we can actually see each other as human beings Mm -hmm. and um, find out where we can agree. And um, so, you know, like I think I've said earlier in this um, broadcast today that I really hold firm to wanting to talk and keep dialogue going. Yeah.
1: We want to thank our sponsors, BRE Law, located in Bloomington, Normal. If you're in a car accident, have a wrongful death, medical malpractice, truck accidents, injuries to children, contact BRE Law at breinjurylaw.com.
0: So, where do you, following that trend, where mm-hmm. do you think uh, you and your fellow council members agree, and and changes that could be coming and making the 2020 list? You know, what's coming up?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. That's a really good question, Jeremy. I mean, I think um, we should always approach any topic on where can we find agreement, and um, and I think as a council, the more that we can um, dialogue both at the council table. And um, as well as there's some important off-council relationship building that needs to happen. And Open Meetings Act does not allow us to get together in more than twos, mm-hmm. you know, so, so you cannot get together with, you know, um, three or more because that would constitute a meeting. Um, but nevertheless, it's important, I think, you know, I try to have A breakfast, or at least a phone call, every three, four, five weeks with Scott Preston, um, Kevin McCarthy, you know, Kimberly, um, you know, the the newcomers to the council. um, I haven't been able to find where their um, off council meeting relationship building time can fit in, so. I personally see that that's something that needs to improve. Um, The mayor is somebody that I I stay in very frequent touch with. And these are important conversations to have that, um, you know, may lead to something down the road. And... um, We just we just need to take that time Mm -hmm. and that investment in in each other. You know, we don't don't necessarily have to be friends. We're not even coworkers. You know, we're just people that get put together on this body, and yet we've got to figure out a way to work together.
1: Yeah, yeah, and people can do that in a cynical way, where it's like, hey, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna make deposits in this person so that I can make withdrawals later. Right,
2: right. That's the real politician. Yeah,
1: (laughs) but I think um, you know the if you do it in an authentic way you just get to know the person yeah, as a human being I absolutely. see this at work a lot yeah. if you just are, have a relationship with them then if you need to ask them for something that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable or time consuming for them then they're more right. likely to want to you know, help you out.
2: Yeah, it's the old Stephen Covey emotional bank account, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's yep. just it, whether it's but, right, whether yeah. it's in a council or whether it's in a work team at work, y- you've you've got to do that. That's why work teams do retreats. You know, <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure.
2: So. so,
1: so one of the things that's come up a lot, and um, we, uh, we we talked at length with Stan about this because I think it's something that he learned a lot about. He said this is something that he was learning a lot about as he came on council but it's uh like what the scope of council's responsibilities are mm-hmm. with respect to staff and, right uh, you having been on longer I, I'm, I'm curious to kind of poke on those a little bit if you right, if you're open right right so i sure so like in particular um like where in the what is the council member's responsibility for making sure that Like financial responsibility is occurring. Yeah, yeah. So that that kind of
2: overarching thing, maybe like, what comes to mind when you think about that? You know, when I think about the council member's role, um, I'm a, I'm kind of a proponent of um, having taking your time to do some work, either in a volunteer capacity or maybe as an appointed commissioner. Because that really helps you learn about, uh, like a planning commissioner. Okay, so you were on right. the planning. I was on planning right, I commission, remember, yeah. and I, before that, I was on the zoning board of appeals. Mm-hmm. And so um, those aren't the only two commissions, and there's certainly have a lot of other, um, you know, ad hoc committees that come together, maybe visioning committees or whatnot, um, that residents would have an opportunity to get involved in. I think that's important. Um, kind of foundational experience to have coming into council. Now obviously we have some people on council that have not taken that path. And so I would think that their learning curve would be much steeper as a result. I know that my learning curve having had that commission experience was was steep. I can't imagine not having had that. So, you know, even just jargon of how you plat of land and, you know, what a subdivision really means and, you know, just some of that municipality ease, if that's a Mm -hmm. jargon. Um, You know, I had that, that uh, kind of immersion in that from these commission experiences. Um, I think also it benefited has benefited me that I've served on other boards of directors for like, Volunteer organizations, right? And so, you know, you, you, you learn from those experiences that board di- of directors are at a um, kind of a what and a why level, and that the management and staff of the organization is more at the how. And, um, and, and there's various flavors of boards, too. I mean, you, are, you can be on some boards that are deemed more policy-driven, that are you know, very much high-level. And then there are other boards that can be um, more working boards where, you know, you, board members are um, assigned work to be on a committee maybe for a fundraiser mm. or something like that. Like
1: so. on the on the. Bloomington Library Board, for example, they mm-hmm. review bills. Okay. So that that's mm-hmm. a different type of um, but that's like a separate organization. Like right. The, the, the director of library reports to them and they're like responsible for right. the financials, which is it, as different than the, the councils where you're not like reviewing, you're not reviewing like each bill and signing off on them, right?
2: But but you're like all boards of directors, you have a fiduciary responsibility to the organization that yeah. you are leading, mm-hmm. and so you know that's why we set the budget. You know that's why there's certain thresholds of spending over which it has to come to the council, and you know any board that I've been on has operated in in some similar way, so. Um, You know, my approach to council then is very much shaped by these other experiences of commissions and then other boards of directors that I've been on. So I really do see it that my role as a board of director or council member is on the what and the why, setting the guide rails for, um, you know, financial solvency. That's my fiduciary responsibility. And really letting, in our case now, the management and staff do their job. And um, I think that boards of directors can be unintentionally, I'll hope at least, but unintentionally um, damaging to an organization if they start getting down into the weeds too Mm -hmm. much. It can be a very um, frustrating experience for the management and staff. I mean, maybe some of your listeners have been on the management and staff side, you know, where you've had a a board that's suddenly come in and been like, no, no, we're not doing this, we're doing that, you know, and and that can be really frustrating to staff of that organization that maybe is, you know, putting a lot of time and energy and investing in in a particular project or product, and then for, um, you know, something to just change because some board member thinks... This is a good idea or a bad idea. I mean, that can be really disruptive if, to an organization.
1: If they feel like they have six or seven bosses, um, three, right. of whom, three of whom change every four years. Yeah, you
2: know? I mean, now you know. Now you start to get into some of the principles around like job satisfaction and employee satisfaction, mm-hmm. and you know, for me on the council, I want to make sure I feel like it's part of my fiduciary responsibility to make sure that we have some of the best management and staff members, and honestly, I really believe we do. I mean, I'm not just saying it because I'm here on your podcast, but as a resident and as a council member, I have just seen time and again where our Particularly, the leadership is is you know directors of the departments is, are who I have the most contact with. They really do have the best interest in mind. You know, they really are looking for ways to um, you know extend the life of, of roads. Wayne Aldridge from Public Works, he and his team are always looking for you know new ways to do some things in house and extend the road life a little bit longer. Um, fleet maintenance is. Um, been looking at ways that we can stretch the the vehicle replacement uh, out a little bit more so we don't have to uh, replace vehicles as as often. Um, Oh, there's just countless examples of that where I do believe that, oh, well, I can finance. um, We're always looking to uh, refinance some of the debt, you know, try to get that down, take advantage of lower interest rates. And, And a lot of that is kind of that unsung heroism that, that doesn't always get um, the the headlines that it should. But yeah. um, I really do think that it's important we we keep that caliber of um, high achieving and high standards in our in our management and staff. Otherwise, we're really going to be in trouble.
0: How, if I can take on that a little bit, mm-hmm. how do you balance the the the, the real desire to you know, not want to play in the sandbox and mm-hmm. and. Get people low morale and anger yeah. and, and all that, with also making sure. You said you know you, as a policymaker, set so the kind of how and why. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you balance that? Making sure. So here's the how and why, and the decisions you're making. I don't know fit or are doing the how and why, and mm-hmm. and, and I. I brought up before, like a Connect Transit right. example, that there's been people in the community that say, hey, the how and why the goal of Connect Transit is X, Y, Z. That's not being done in this current environment. And others are saying, yeah, it's being done. We're, mm-hmm. we're doing that. And then you as a policymaker are almost refereeing, did they make a right decision? Did they not? Right. How do you balance that of, yes, I want to respect your professional judgment, and you, you follow that, but there might be an operator or there might be a situation where i don't know that you're meeting the policy yeah that seems like a very
2: yeah. I mean, and that's a hard what, dance. Yeah, it is, and that's why you know every year we do the strategic planning that we do. You know, so we're setting the the direction for the staff to to work on you know a set of priorities, and you know you come back a year from now and we look at what progress has been made, and there's the opportunity to to adjust if we don't like a direction that something where something is going. The Connect Transit one is a real conundrum because you're actually talking about two boards there. Yeah, right. And um, this was the first time that I'd really ever experienced the town council as probably even the the city of Bloomington's council getting pulled into as much of the Connect Transit operational issues, sure. so um, there's a lot of layers and, there and, to and, sort out. Yeah, and certainly yeah. it's difficult yeah. with that
0: outside organization. Yeah, but, yeah. but we could cov- cover other examples of just if we brought it in house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some some of the criticism with some of the uptown Circle projects. Well, here's or whatnot. one.
2: Here's one. We'll go. We'll, we'll go there. Yeah. second floor.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, of the uptown. So that was a direction that we we went with um, investing in that building with the developer tartan <laughs> yeah and um, part of that was the town renting out and building out the second floor for engineering and um, planning and you know now you some time has gone by and and that was a I believe a you let me before I go forward in the in the timeline, go back to the original decision. That was, I think, a, a, a unanimous decision to do that project the way we did it, with the rent, with the build-out, the whole thing, recognizing that the alternative was it was a hole in the ground, okay? Recognizing that it wasn't the greatest rent in the world, but, you know, realizing that it was the better of the two options facing us. Now let's fast forward, and you say, huh, um you know, the, the bottom floor has not been rented out. That was part of the deal. Why not? Well, that's a really good question. And so there is discussion now among the council of... Do we reopen that back up for discussion, and and I think there is some some real traction for that. I don't know what the end result is going to be. I don't necessarily know that that means moving that group out because that will come with cost, and you've got to find somewhere else for them to go. Um, but that's probably the closest example I can think of um, where you know we set something in place to say yes it's a priority for us to get this building done and this is how we're, you know, this is how we think it's it's best to do. Set the staff and management in the direction of executing on that. They did. And now, based on some new developments, we've got to rethink that potentially or at least open it up for rediscussion. So, um, yeah, I think that's a constant um, cycle, if you will, of a, of a good working board that stays in touch with their, with their uh, management. And, you know, that particular issue came up during the strategic session. So I think that's really the mechanism for yeah. it to happen. And I yeah. and I
0: appreciate that. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily specifically But going it's a to really good issue. example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> probably and the, a hot
2: topic. And too. and
0: there's and there's other ones certainly that, that you could talk through, but it's kind of knowing when mm-hmm. when in your role as a council member do you open that can of worms. Yeah. And and you're not calling out anybody and saying you're you can't do this, but right. hey, let's reexamine that.
2: Right, a reexamine. That's a very good word. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So then the budget, is that set as a product of the conversations about the strategic priorities? I'm still trying to come back to uh, fiscal responsibility is always something that's yeah. on everyone's uh, you know, platform when right. they're running. So then understanding really what role the council plays in fiscal responsibility is sort of yeah. what I'm getting to. So you have those strategy conversations, you come up with priorities, then mm-hmm. is the process then staff Uh, takes those priorities, city staff takes, sorry, town staff takes Mm -hmm. those priorities and develops a preliminary budget that they believe reflects those. Mm -hmm. And then you get, and then you react to that budget. Is that kind of how the the back and forth goes?
2: Yes and no. It's it's a little bit of, um, there's some of the strategic planning that definitely influences the budget. And we actually had a conversation at our work session a week or so ago that we would probably be better if we moved back in time our strategic planning. This year it happened around November and December. Previous years it's happened September, October. You know, maybe we should even look at more like an August, September, because staff actually begins preliminarily looking at rebuilding the, the budget in about September, about six months through the current fiscal year. So um, so we may need to to do a little better alignment of, of that because there is some influence of those priorities that, that play into the budget. But then there's just the regular stuff of running a town that is um, not necessarily related to the strategic planning discussions. Um, you know, you got to have police, you got to have fire, you got to have public works. Um, you know, so there are some things that just just are part of the um, ongoing churn of, of a municipality. Mm-hmm. So, um, So it's a little bit of both, I guess, to answer right. your question. And then
1: does trying they got answer this question so let's say there is a tough choice to make about a prioritization of a resource like there's not enough money um, hopefully we never get to this point there's not enough mm-hmm. money to pay for everything we have planned for parks and Rec and mm-hmm. for the police force mm-hmm. and so then is that decision then framed up in a way for a discussion with council of um, or does that does the manager kind of like give a few options of like yeah. here's some gradations between what my department heads are asking for? Yeah, help help guide me to which one of these. Yeah, and and we did that
2: very um, uh, pointedly uh, two years ago when we had to make some significant cuts. Um, that was where we had absorbed a couple of hits on the expense side. Um, we had lost some revenue that we had ordinarily gotten from the metro zone with that we had with. Bloomington, and then when that dissolved. State changed too. And then the state made some changes on, um, like, I call them like a surcharge that they now charge on some of the um, taxes that are collected from sales tax that come back to the cities. And so they're keeping like a percent or a half a percent. And so, you know, there's another half a million dollars, you know. And whenever you get into, um, you know, six digits. Or more on a, you know, $100 million budget, you're talking a policy change, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you can take a hit of four to five digits of a number and and be okay. But when it starts to get into the hundreds of thousands, and certainly million, you know, now, now you got to recalibrate something. And so that was where we had to make some decisions like um, we did not continue all of the recycling containers, Around the city, we we cut back. I think from eight until um, we had eight sites, and then we cut to maybe three or four. But then Midwest Fiber picked up the others. You know, so that was kind of a nice um, partnership that private industry came in to. Um, you know, I remember that year thinking about um, do you do you close a pool? You know, mm-hmm. and actually operationally speaking, it's not a lot of money to, to run a pool. It the the, the Big bucks come in in the maintenance, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So um, it's when the heater or the liner or this or that, you know. But so we didn't cut that. But those are the kind of discussions that we had that year. Um, and, you know, to a lesser extent, every year that happens. But um, like this year, we talked a little bit about, hmm. Um, trying to remember some of the issues that we raised up. Um, oh, well, like water rates, you know, how that's a, that's its own contained budget. Basically, it's an enterprise fund. So, you know, what you, what you charge for water has to basically just be used for water operations. And so, you know, you look at that, um, a lot of the discussion around um, the budget this year, although it was headlined a status quo, and it, it was status quo in the sense that, you know, we weren't taking on anything new or cutting anything, any service. But um, what wasn't status quo is the fact that we're having to make some fee adjustments on um, like parks and rec uh, kind of activities as well as parking, and those are a di- direct result of some state-mandated Decisions, minimum wage, and a parking tax that went into effect January 1. And, you know, the minimum wage is a big hit. Again, that six digit figure is one that, you know, you have to stand up and take notice. And so just in year one, I think it's close to $250,000 that. We, if, if you don't raise the fees, then you've got to find $250,000 mm-hmm. to cut this year and every other year, okay? And actually, it's more than in the future years because you're stepping this thing in. So in years two, three, four, and by the time you get to year five, the hit on the expense side is $750,000. So, you know, that's almost a million dollars in a $100 million budget. You would have to start looking at some significant cuts. And where are you going to cut? Okay, you know, Parks and Rec is $8 million. Do you cut all of it out of Parks and Rec? That's where a lot of the minimum wage impact is coming in. Um, You know, if you start to make a million dollars cut in Parks and Rec, it's going to look very different, you know. And so that's why you know, to the person that might be out there going, well, why can't you just make some cuts and and not have to do the fee increases? I'd love that. But then what do you want to do without, Mm -hmm. you know? And now there's other departments that are the big hitters. Um, Public works, police, fire. I don't think anybody wants to touch those, you know? So um, it's not easy. And I was, and still am, a little frustrated that, you know, we have to pass those we felt like no other alternative but to pass the fees along, um, and it, it's. But it's, you know, I don't want to get into the merits of the goodness, goodness or badness of, of minimum wage. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. We're having to deal with it, and these but are the I kind mean, of issues that.
1: It's probably hard any time when the municipality gets squeezed like that. It
2: is a very much feeling like you yeah, know everything when rolls downhill, state, and <laughs> state or
1: federal government decides yeah. something needs to be done or not done, and right. They have to, and then you guys have to react. Um, I mean, definitely another example of that is the cannabis decision.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't recall how you voted,
2: but... Uh, I voted I to allow it. Allow it. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So overall, you were comfortable with the approach that Normal took?
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think for the most part, from what I could tell, um, the state legislation was written pretty conservatively. It seemed to me that they did their homework to look at other states and you know the what worked well and what didn't work well. And um, so it was written probably as as well as it could be and I think they're even making some amendments to that and then the way that we wrote our um, ordinance for it was very much in keeping with how we have carefully crafted um, video gaming and liquor license too mm-hmm. now we the difference there is the cities issue the licenses for the video gaming gambling and um, liquor the state will issue the license for cannabis but nevertheless, we still had to write an ordinance that um, would give the guide rails for how a business could operate, where a business could operate. And I really think that they did um, a very good job. Our our legal team and, and planning team did a really good job of creating a mechanism through the special use permit that will allow the maximum amount of public input and public discussion of it.
1: So um, overall, you're, how do you feel like what do you feel like the impact to the community is going to be um, this year as uh, assuming even if you – you would assume the use would become more prevalent, but at least it's going to become more transparent. At right? A moment, so. I don't
2: know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. This is our era's, um, you know, end of prohibition, right? You know, so if you ever wished you'd lived in a different era, you know, and ever roaring twenties, yeah, um, yeah, right. This is our <laughs> roaring twenties, yeah. So I think it'll just be a very interesting. Um, Um, you know, societal shift. And and I have no Mm. idea what to expect, to be honest. I know that we did not count on any revenue from sales tax from it in our current budget, which I think was prudent. It's conservative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I had an interesting experience recently. I grew up in the Netherlands where it was legal. So Mm -hmm. I was was used to being around it. And then I just had an experience um, last week where I went to a party Mm -hmm. and uh, some people were out in the garage and they were... uh, they were smoking marijuana, uh-huh. and some people were doing that. Some people were drinking. Some people uh-huh. were doing both. Some people were doing neither. There uh-huh. wasn't any pressure one way or another. It just was like, it very much was just the same way as, um, you know, as, as people smoking s- cigarettes, smoking a cigarette yeah, in the garage because yeah. they didn't want the smoke to be in the house. Right, and so, right. Um, so I'm optimistic that that overall is going to be people's experience with yeah. it. That it's just. It's a thing, and those who want to do it do, and those who don't don't want to. And, right. Um, and like know, anything of a huge, no one has to go to jail, right?
2: Right. And <laughs> a, like anything of a um, drug, alcohol, you know, it's a responsibility, and yep. you know, people need to use them with care. Yeah. Right. So, um, one
1: other thing that I jotted down when you were talking about uh, was the underpass of getting a grant for yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. And so um, so I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up, uh, based on what the what we did, we talked about with Sam in the last episode, mm-hmm. that's a state grant, right? Or is it a federal grant? That's a federal grant. A federal grant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I have to say, I always get a little suspicious when I hear people celebrating a grant because it's it's debt all the way up, right? Like the state doesn't have any money. The federal government's trillion dollars in debt. Um so normal has debt. And so... And all that just comes from us the taxpayers, right? I know. So, so it's kind of like, um, so I guess, what does that grant mean to you? Is are you looking like just purely from a municipality that we have access to these resources, so now we can try to further this project that's important to us? Is that is that kind of where you come from? Well,
2: the analogy I said on this one, because I've actually been on maybe even a year ago when I was here, um, I've gone on record as you know not being a real big fan of the underpass, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, if, if I had my druthers, it would just be an at-grade crossing. You know, I I bristle at the fact that this is a regulation that is making our life kind of uh, more difficult. Oh, I
1: didn't know that. So it's a regulation uh-huh. that can't be an at-grade crossing. Right,
2: right. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the small government person in me is like... Well, why are you telling you know why why are you telling us how we need to cross the railroad track uh-huh. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of well, course, I'm sorry.
1: Why is that? Is it the proximity to the station or is it the?
2: It's a number of things. It, proximity to station is one, and you know, generally it falls under the, the a safety, a public safety issue. Okay. Because there is
1: an aggregate crossing like on, on the, the road, st- on, on the street, on the, on I the know. road. Oh, but it can't be like a. Is it like it can't be a pedestrian only or something? Or, uh... You know,
2: I, d- I don't know all huh. the I, okay. I, I've heard them, but it's it's oh, regulations fine. Fine. That, that you know well, like I said, make, make I me you. bristle. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't committed sure. them to memory. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, so we kind of like have to. And, you know, I kept hoping that like if we just pretended um, it didn't exist, that they might change the regulation at some point. <laughs> but, um, you know, nevertheless, um, the staff being proactive, active as they are, you know, they have continued to do the studies um, that are necessary for this alternative grade, as they call it. And um, so in putting in for grants for potential money, you know, one came through. And I think they would put in for, had made one or more tries before and and nothing had come through. So finally, this particular grant, and I believe it comes from, Oh, I think it's through the Railroad Association. And, um, you know, whoever's made this regulation believes in the importance of not having an at grade, and so Mm -hmm. there are are dollars earmarked or or assigned for projects like this one so that communities like ours can be safer is Mm -hmm. really what it boils down to. Um, So, you know, my analogy is... um, you know, we are walking down the aisle of a wedding, and um, the uh, you know we're at the altar, and we just opened the first wedding present. It was thirteen million dollars. So I guess we're doing the underpass. You know, mm-hmm. um, in my perfect little world, we would have an at grade crossing. Yeah, but I you know at this point, somebody higher up and in, in you know more studied on this. Situation that I um, feels that this is an important project to fix, and so they've awarded the dollars this direction. Yeah.
0: And so will construction get started immediately, or, or you know, you get the thirteen million dollars to get started, or do we have to raise the entire amount? Well, yeah, it's yeah. a down payment then, on this like
2: twenty-plus right, million dollar right. project. So um, yeah, we're sequ- waiting for the second wedding present. Yeah, I, guess. Yeah, I was going to the sequencing? <laughs> do, do we get started now, or no?
0: Or? Um,
2: I don't believe we are. We have any plans to get started, um, you know, on any timetable that I'm aware of. I think certainly the the efforts right now are to secure, try to secure more financing. Yeah. Because I know
0: we had a, mm-hmm. a grant before for the overpass, right? Or didn't we have some funding that was secured and then decided to not go that approach so that went by the wayside?
2: Well, what it was was a completely different scope of a project. Um,
0: don't mean if, to get that's okay. Too much no, over. it
2: was. It's important because there's there's a lot that gets kind of muddled over time. This is a project that goes back like seven or ten years, mm-hmm. so it is kind of important to take stock of the whole thing again. The original plan um, was to put a passenger connector, and that would be accessed only through the train station. And so it was not a community connector. And where we shifted from the passenger connector to a community connector was when um, the plans for visioning the second phase of of uptown development south of the tracks began to happen. And from that process, it was recognized that, well, gosh, you know, uh, railroads are a um, barrier that would prevent from the community from experiencing both sides of this, this development of, of our uptown district. And so that's when it shifted from a passenger connector to a community connector. And then there was a feasibility study to look at what's the best way to connect the community. Is it to go over 26 feet in the air or under 13 feet under? And um, through that consultant's work, it was deemed that to go under is, is actually better. Hmm. So, yeah. Well,
1: I I mean, I'll just say like, as a, a user, um, of that area Mm -hmm. for 15 years now, um, like, I'm very enthusiastic about the idea. Okay, good.
2: Okay. Yeah, there be, are a lot of people who are. I think it yeah. would be
1: very cool to be able to yeah. cut through there like we used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's probably... That's you went at great.
2: Yeah. You were okay. Yeah. Live to I, tell about it. Yeah, if we got through.
1: <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, not... Uh, so, you know, if, it does, if it does get done by whatever means, um, I'm sure to be using it with my kids.
2: Right. So, well, and, and to look at some of the plans, you know, just kind of conceptual plans of, of how it would be, it, it would be quite nice. Um, certainly an added safety, um, a benefit for um, people who have either, you know, are mobility challenged or, um, you know, disabled in some way. So mm-hmm. it, it will be a, a positive for the growth of this, uh, of our business district. Yeah. So Good just deal. comes at a pretty high price tag and a regulation. <laughs> no. right. Well,
1: an hour goes fast when you're chatting. It does, about I, yeah. I, I learned a lot. I'm glad, okay. Um, uh, a couple things to wrap up. One, if you look towards the 2020, kind of what do you see as being the big things that we're, that normal's going to be re- uh, grappling with? Yeah, yeah. Working on, working towards.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, obviously the underpass, I think, you know, securing additional funding for that. Um you know, making sure that um, economic development keeps going forward in a direction. Rivian's a big piece of that. Brandt won an award last night at the Chamber Gala as well. Um, so we have a, uh, we need to do more of that in terms of I, what I call rebranding our community to be more than just a single employer or insurance and financial industry only. So we have a new economic development. Um, president in town, a guy by the name of Patrick Hoban, you might want to have him on. He's uh, very, very educated in this area of economic development, and I think will bring a lot of um, good strategic planning and some consistency to to economic development at a time that it's much needed. Um, and probably the sports complex is going to have to get uh, teased out and uh I I promised I'll I'll, I'll keep this short if I can say a comment or two. Well, and I'll I'll
0: jump in. Kathleen's smiling at me uh, (laughs) because people listening may or may not know I'm I'm on the board of the Illinois Fire Juniors and uh, co-chair working towards that um, soccer Fire Juniors is losing their soccer fields and, and trying to get new fields. So I said, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm yeah. going to disclaimer out and, and yeah. shut up, but <laughs> if you, just to throw if, that in.
1: If you want to hear how that sounded a few months ago, Jeremy was a, a guest on and talking about that. So you can go ah, back to the previous episode okay. and listen to that. Um, yeah. Things have changed a little bit since then. Quite but a bit. Laying out the overall problem that confronts the soccer league. Right, is, uh, right. We went into that in some depth for those who are interested. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but, yeah, just kind of how's that looking right, from your perspective, Right, Kathy? Well,
2: and I will disclaim the fact that sometimes people think that I'm like the soccer mom, you know, in disguise on council. Um true that I have been a soccer mom but not true that um, my, any of my children would would benefit in it, from it in any way they're now 22 and 24 and the my daughter who is the soccer player of the family um, just recently completed her soccer career after 16 consecutive seasons and uh, four years at the collegiate level so uh, she's done okay so I have I have no skin in this game um, anymore I have an
1: appreciation for the- old
2: retired soccer mom <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes an appreciation for um, really the youth sports uh, industry um, is is really what we're looking at here as an economic opportunity. And what I would say, and kind of in keeping with my belief that government sometimes is better to stay out of things um, and only to get involved in a very prudent and judicious way, this is what I have to say about the sports complex right now. Uh, For 10 years, this topic has been... um, Bantied about and discussed, and you know we've wrung our hands over it. And so to put it in soccer terms, you might say that it's been fought in the midfield, okay, with no one really taking possession of the ball, no one really taking the, taking charge or leading an effort um, of, of offense on this. And there's certainly been a lot of defense, and it's just been a battle of the midfield. And um, but then something has changed recently, and I think uh, much to the um, appreciation of a lot of concerned residents, the one of the the larger of the um, soccer clubs has actually taken possession of the ball and they're they're running with it and I think a lot of residents have often said why doesn't the soccer club just figure this out well they've taken possession of the ball they're doing that they're running down the field Um, they're getting close to the final third of the field and I think they might have a shot on goal of right. figuring this out for themselves. So, and, so you're saying there's
1: another soccer club other than Jeremy working on this right now? <laughs> are you actually being successful? <laughs> he's he's, no my, he's my,
2: outside, my outside midfielder, right? You know, yeah, and yeah. and to, to further my point on um, this, that, that this is good news is government and the other players on the field don't foul anybody, don't foul in the box, don't draw yellow. Get out of the way. Let the, let the youth soccer club do what they need to do. All right. Yeah. How's that? It Sounds great. And, I and hope you score. The, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> me too. Find I the back me of the me net. Too. <laughs> 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 right. Well, great.
1: And last two things then, and I uh, didn't warn you about one of these. I should have warned you at the beginning, so I be oh, thinking about it. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> So one is just where to find out more about you, uh, if you want to get in touch with you, how the best way to do that. And then the mm-hmm. second is if there's uh, there's a lot of people doing big things in Bloomington Normal and not getting a lot of publicity for mm-hmm. it. So I wanted to see if there was something on your mind, uh, someone who's spent a lot of time doing something you think is important that you wanted to give some recognition to. Okay. So, so first, if people want to... Yeah, wanna, where to find you know, my where,
2: information? Go to www.normal.org mm-hmm. and um, select the mayor and council or government, uh, selection of of, uh, of options. Mm-hmm. And um, if you kind of progress through some choices there, you'll eventually find council. And then we each have a page that has our contact information and brief bios of, of our backgrounds. Okay.
1: And then you're on Facebook so, too,
2: right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I have two Facebooks. I mean, um, I ha- I maintain the Friends of Kathleen Lorenz as now my, my town page. And um, I don't do a lot with that. I, I kind of do a lot of reposting of town... Um, content and, uh, you know, kind of just as a public service announcement type of thing. Okay, um, Okay. so the Unsung Hero, hmm. well, you know, I, I would have to say, uh, having just gone through the budget process, our library director, Brian Chase, and his staff do amazing things with um, the current building that they have. And you know certainly that's been a topic talked about. A, a wish would be to have you know a, a better facility, a bigger facility, and that may come someday. But in the meantime, um, boy, they just continue on um, with doing what they're doing and delivering service in a way, and trying to mitigate the the problems and enhance the goodness. and um, And they should be really applauded for what they do.
1: Yeah, we still spend a lot of time at Normal Public Library mm-hmm. and I really love their facility and uh, also as a as a planning geek speaking to other planning mm-hmm. geeks I, I also uh, in particular parking is of particular interest to me too and the way they just redesigned their parking yes. lot is awesome I having know. that pedestrian strip that goes if anyone hasn't seen it before uh, go check it out because it mm-hmm. It's, They've definitely improved it. Much yeah, safer. It's mm-hmm. much safer for kids coming in and out of the building. They've got a designated uh, pedestrian lane that's between the where the two. It's hard to explain where two cars would normally come together and be almost bumper to bumper. Right. Those are separated out with barriers, and then, yeah. and then people can walk and in better between striping. Them. Yeah. Yep. And then um, down to one lane. Uh, I mean, it's, it's clear that it's just one lane right mm-hmm. in front of the the door too. So that's um, it's pretty solid parking lot design right. and something I, th- I hope that we see more of. Um,
2: and their foundation is doing a um, a, a, a fundraiser in March. And uh, anybody who's a Harry Potter fan out there, it's a Yule Ball. So that was a, a celebration that was part of the that series of, of books and characters. And so I think that's in early March sometime. So if you want to be a friend of the library, put that on your calendar. All right,
1: cool. Well, I'll put links to... Um, Kathleen's the site she just mentioned and uh, the Normal Public Library site, too. Go ahead and Perfect. Check out what's yeah. going on over there. And before we close, as always, thank you to Normal Gadgets and Play Normal Esports, our sponsors, and also to BRE Law. Um, Normal Gadgets, you can come in and get anything you need fixed. Staff is very very skilled, very friendly. They're going to come up with creative, cheap ways to fix the things that are broken and get your gadgets back to normal. So come check them out at 802 El Dorado Road or uh, look online at um, Normal Gadgets to try to see some more information about what's going on with them. And I think we are done. All right.